When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Nikki Jensen and Brie Picconi, and we're Late Late to to the Party, Party. a weekly podcast about film, fashion, and pop culture from two best friends mentally letting them eat cake in 2006. She doesn't even go here. Yesterday I did Gucci, so and today Fendi, so it's hot. Today we are talking about Sofia Coppola's Marie Antoinette. Yes. Which is like the ultimate fashion film? I think so. Yeah. It's gorgeous. It looks like a Vogue cover shoot. Like, and isn't it? Like, they did a shoot as well. They did a really seminal to me Vogue shoot with Kirsten Dunst's Marie Antoinette. And then they also, either they had a spread or a, they did a lot of promo in Teen Vogue. And I remember that being like, Yes. my introductory into like fashion yeah i remember with teen an vogue. f yeah remember the glory days of teen vogue yeah ah uh, 2006 to like 2010 teen vogue was just i think l fanning had a good cover on there from what i remember another sofia coppola girly yes oh yeah i mean there were so many good covers i, I feel like i remember seeing um was it i feel like this is really low energy by the way but whatever <laughs> this is very like so good sophia coppola <laughs> i'm i'm like swear i'm excited i'm I, just like extremely tired and have slept the whole entire day it's okay i mean me too we both like weren't feeling well for different reasons earlier today it's because so. we raged yesterday going to see the heiress tour movie yes no we went pretty hard <laughs> and by hard i mean not that hard but it was three hours so we went to the late night showing, the 9.30. <laughs> that was the latest showing. Which, like, note to self, yeah, we have to, like, pre-game. Like, we have to have, like, Red Bulls in us or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if we go to see Beyonce Renaissance tour movie, mm-hmm. we either have to see an earlier showing, yeah, like Old Fogies, or we have to, like... Caffeinate. Caffeinate have like a beyonce twerk playlist ready you know what i mean yeah i will say like i feel like if we went to see um beyonce's tour in the theater like i feel like that would be a little more lit than taylor swift just because like her music isn't as danceable i would say yes but have you seen those like internet photos on twitter and tiktok of people just going feral at the movie theater for the heiress tour like standing up like you know the willow scene in the evermore era where they're like with like the lanterns and like acting like they're in the crucible oh my god yeah but the in the theater like there's these deranged swifties just like hand in hand like they're doing like a seance or not sacrifice or something yeah i see and i thought there'd be more of that um 
I mean, we did get to see the front row. Like, in the theater we went to, there was a front row of, like, older ladies who got up to dance to shake it off. Just shake it off. They, like, you know when you see, like, Mamma Mia, like, off-Broadway? Mm. And, you know, there's always, like... I love how I've, like, seen Mamma Mia enough times. I know. To be, like, so you know... The, like, the old ladies in the front just, like, stand up and act like it's an ABBA concert for their, like, yeah. chosen songs. They're like, Whoa. Take a chance like, on me probably yeah it's like the um the elderly like anthem they were really shaking it off hard like i was like whoa so hard and then they sat right back down they did yeah it's kind of sad they were the only ones that really got that excited i thought the chill there we saw a lot of children there which is a little disturbing to me but why was it disturbing i don't know taylor swift and children kind of are like she's like the safe pick yeah maybe you're right i guess it just makes me feel old because i'm like i'm not a child well it's crazy like the discrepancy like when as soon as we walked into the movie theater this lady well okay this is <laughs> yeah, let's been, paint the picture like, yeah let's paint the picture also this year because we are going to talk about marie antoinette and sophia coppola eventually yeah and with the release of sophia coppola's archive ooh. Which I want so bad. I have not gotten my grubby little mitts on it yet, but I will. Um, with that release and then Priscilla later this month. So excited for Priscilla, by the way. Same. Did you see the trailer? Yes. Like the official trailer. I'm so excited. And I'm also so excited to see like Jacob Elordi on the big screen. Yes. Oh, my God. And he already looks like Elvis. Like he's perfect. And I was so skeptical. Yeah. Because, you know, he's just he doesn't look like Elvis in I real life. I think, well. I always thought, though, in Euphoria, he kind of had an Elvis, like his chin, like something about his, you know, those eyebrows. Well, I'm a big Jacob Elordi <laughs> fan. Yeah. And Sophie Coppola fan. So Same. just seeing those two and knowing that the Elvis estate is against this movie <gasps> makes makes me like live for it. Wait, really? Yeah. Wait, wait, hold on. I thought the Elvis estate was run by Priscilla. No. Maybe. Maybe it is, but. Because I thought she was, well, wait, She's hold on. yes. I'm confused because we had that Elvis movie come out, the Baz Luhrmann mm-hmm. one. That one was she approved of, right? She approved, but also like, I believe it's Elvis estate. I, I believe there's like a, yeah, well, let's see. It's because it's probably doesn't paint him in a good light. But also, didn't Sofia Coppola take Priscilla Presley's perspective? Mm-hmm. Like it was her documentary or her biography. Um, It's based on the book Elvis and Me. Yeah. Okay. Riley Keough, who, um, you know, was in, I always say it wrong. It's not Grace Jones and the Six. What? Daisy Jones and the Six. Grace Jones and the Six. My, also, (laughs) I just want it to be about Grace Jones. Um, yeah, she did inherit the Elvis estate, but someone. Excuse me, sorry. It's like not happy. That's what I read. Like, hold on. Okay, so yeah, it is based on her 1985 memoir, Elvis and Me. But according to this Vulture article, she's really excited about the perspective, even though it's like difficult for her to watch. Mm. Okay, it's an unnamed Presley estate official who watched the film. And according to TMZ, said that the project was horrible and like a college movie, it's horrific. Wow. Yada, yada. So... Someone in the estate. Dang. They're haters. They're that. Yeah. Which I'm sure it doesn't paint Elvis in a great 
light. You can kind of tell by the trailer that it doesn't. So yeah, or just, but it's not really about Elvis. It's no. about Priscilla. So exactly, which is that's what I love about Sofia Coppola. She shows things from like the female perspective a lot. Like pretty much all her movies. <laughs> it's um well the way Sofia Coppola like her lens. It's through her lens, and it's a very unique just way she views the world because she's you know indoctrinated into directing like film royalty yeah and she's a nepo baby but in like a a way where she takes her experiences and her views of the world and like especially with marie antoinette it's like the isolation yes and it's it's just the way she she views the world really interesting she's in auteur my favorite auteur i love it no i love her and i love that she explores like the idea of like girlhood and yeah isolation too is like a big theme for whatever reason like all these girls seem kind of isolated in perception so how like like in the version suicides how the lisbon sisters are portrayed or like they're viewed by the boys yeah it's someone from the outside kind of trying to look in and see what's in their mind yeah and same with marie antoinette it's not about outside circumstances it's a very like inward experience yeah yeah it's cool i don't know sophia couple is great oh yeah but it's like the year of the girl it was my point yeah back to the eras tour movie experience oh yeah that's right we gotta paint that picture (laughs) yeah (laughs) so let's uh let's rewind let's rewind take that rewind it back you know yeah this year has been the year of the girl we saw the barbie Barbie. movie everyone is now like dressing up or like when in the summertime everyone was wearing the friendship bracelets and going and paying like exorbitant amounts of money to go see taylor swift in person at the Eras tour which those tickets were so expensive so expensive they didn't come anywhere near us i know i Uh, kept checking (laughs) Yeah, so I think like the closest place was Madison Square Garden. Mm. And we could have, but a lot of money. Sold out so fast. It was like the whole Ticketmaster fiasco. Even Yeah, I was going to say, even these uh, theater seats we had um, for... Well, we went last night. So, well, I guess this would be... The, we went on Friday the 13th. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. Because <laughs> it won't be last night when this comes out. But, but. it will be... This is going to be a tighter turnaround. So we went last Friday. We can still say that. Yeah. But we uh, struggled to find seats because the tickets kept selling out. Packed house. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, we walk in. And as soon as we walk in, this girl just stops us <laughs> like there's a fire or something. <laughs> it was so great. Just with the urgency. Yeah. Um, and she was like, OK, so when you get your like collectible uh, cup, make sure to get the receipt and come back for the bucket because they're out they're sold yeah she like stopped us we literally had barely we didn't walk even fully in the door because she was like leaving and we were coming in and it was like intense and they had all these um notes posted all throughout the Mm -hmm. theater like there was at least 20 just in that waiting area Uh, it was like we are so sorry for the inconvenience the taylor tubs did not come in as expected but they will be here tomorrow it was like three whole paragraphs like it was really it was in they were plastered everywhere like every single door every single door of the bathroom yeah it was a lot (laughs) it was and then we walk in and you know taylor swift pretty much has only female fans but of like varying ages you know the millennials relate to taylor swift and all her vigilante shenanigans yeah you know and like sharp enough 
cat eye, like cat eye sharp enough to kill a man. You know, millennials love her and she identifies yeah. heavily with that. So you get that group, you get like Gen Z mm-hmm. and then like little kids. We only got the little kids portion last night, though. Yeah, basically. Very, very cute. But just like a bunch of six-year-olds running around in like glittery boots. Oh. Uh-huh. And <laughs> it was very like, we were talking about this, too. And it was very like Hannah Montana, the experience. Oh, my God. That concert movie. No one did it better, Brie, than <laughs> Hannah Montana, Miley Cyrus, Best of Both Worlds. Really? Why? We were there. It was, we talked about this last night. This was... A moment for us where we bought into the pandemonium of Hannah Montana. We did. Because everyone did. And even if you said you didn't, you're lying. Full house. But so full. Like, they overpacked us. We were in a big city. And we were standing up. Yeah, we were, like, We bought tickets. Yeah. Like, but everyone was standing up. Like, these little girls and us older little girls were just like <laughs> thriving having our best time and people dressed up like wearing hannah montana merch i think you could even buy something from the experience at but pandemonium yeah like not just a bunch of like random six-year-olds and some ladies like the mama mia crowd like our crowd was so tame mm. and they like clapped oh yeah our it was so it was so awkward too because like they started clapping after every act but it was like it's like no one can hear i don't understand that like that's not really the point of yeah i get like moved to clap if you really feel something but you can't do that after every like if it's not a live performance why do people clap is it like obligatory like do they think someone's watching them and like the artist is gonna i don't hear the clap somehow and know that they clapped i I don't know like we were talking about this earlier it's like i don't think I know with the writers and actors strike, yeah, we're not going to be getting as much, like many movies to the theater, yeah. But concert movies, it, it's not the the way. No. However, I will be like front row and center to see the Renaissance. Right. Yeah. No. I feel like that's different though. Like I feel like you could really tear it up in the aisles. Like that would be fun. Yes. Like, but like tastefully tear it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. And I think like Beyonce is going to do it in a more artistic manner. I feel like this was, it wasn't like Madonna Truth or Dare. It was literally just, just the heiress tour. It was shot beautifully. It but was. It wasn't. It was just like you were seeing all the clips that we see that we've on already TikTok. seen. Yeah, just in crisper quality. Yeah. See, I thought it was going to be more artistic too because in the intro is artistic. You're coming in through the mm-hmm. clouds and there's like rainbow colored clouds. Like it's like very like aesthetic. Like it's pretty. And then you kind of go through Taylor Swift era's tour, like almost like the WB, like Warner Brothers, Harry Potter intro, like where you're like, or something, yeah. you know, you're like flying in. And so I'm like, oh, this is going to be cool. We're going to get different shots. It's going to be like, they're adding animation to the... um. And they did this a little bit with transitions from one part of the set to the next, but it didn't, it wasn't like enough to be that artsy and be like, and there's nothing behind the scenes. Nothing. It's just so interesting. I think, you know, Taylor Swift is a very interesting person because like all throughout the movie, I was thinking, I'm like her lyrics or she really shines like this concert really shows where she shines versus where she has like 
blind spots. <laughs> yeah. Like you go straight in and it's like Miss Americana and Cruel Summer, mm-hmm. which best songs off Lover. But then you get the man and you need to calm down. Yeah, I didn't expect those to be that soon in the set or even on the set. Because, I mean, while I like that song and I get she's making a statement, like, it just... And I liked her blazer. Oh, her blazer slays with the boots. Yeah. I don't know. But maybe... I don't... Well, maybe for the gays. Because the gays love Taylor. She doesn't need to do... They do love Taylor. But I don't know. I don't. I don't think any. I feel like she was really pushing the gay agenda. <laughs> but then she's not. I went through a gayler rabbit hole last night. Yeah. Because okay, so can we unpack this? For yeah, a let's second? unpack. Um, well, what I was going to say about the man and you need to calm down is it really shows where she like it. She shines in her songwriting and lyricism when she is talking from her own experience. Yeah. When she is like, this is how I feel in this moment. When she does like the anthems, like Shake It Off works because it's very personal to her. Mm. Because she's like, this is what people say about me. Blank space as well. But she, when she's doing it broader, it, it loses a lot. Of like songwriting technique, like lyricism. You know oh, what I mean? Okay, yeah. She it's like she can't do both. She can't paint with like a wide brush. She yeah. can only. I hear you. Which is Stimble. fine, but yeah, it's just really glaringly obvious. Mm. But it's so cool how she can like command the stage when she's not doing like the choreography. When yes. it's just like her, like even doing like delicate. In, in the reputation era. Yeah. Or like Cruel Summer. It is so interesting how she can just command. She can. And I th- I felt like she had like so much confidence. I was inspired. I was like, wow, like this is so cool to see her up there just feeling herself. And like she doesn't have to be, you know, I know people say like that she's not a great performer, but like I kind of disagree. I thought it was, you know, she can't be Beyonce. You know, she's Mm-mm. she can't. She might not be able to dance that well. You know, she did. I thought her chair dancing was kind of cool, though. Yeah. I thought she was actually kind of sexy. Very Chicago. Very Chicago. But I did like how she played to some of her strengths, which I think she does command a stage. Mm -hmm. And she also played with the set a lot. Like, it felt like we were watching a play at some point. Because we've seen plays like this, too, that are kind of modern, where, like, the set changes. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it felt like... It's all, like, lighting and... Yeah. Yeah. It was like she was in a play and acting it out and had, like, her backup dancers as part of it, too. And that was... I thought that part, that element was really cool. Like, telling a story. Like, I feel like she's... She's Maybe, like, you're saying the personal songs. Like, telling the story of those was really... Yeah. I enjoyed her. I think it's so complicated, though. Like... Talking about Taylor Swift and being a Swifty, but also kind of resenting Swifties. Yeah. <laughs> because it's like Taylor Swift is a very interesting person mm-hmm. and a very smart person. Yeah. Um, but also it's like we know so much about her through her lyrics, but then also know so little. Like it's so impersonal. That was like the the glaring difference. It's like when she's playing like all too well, 10 minute version or mm-hmm. even like the acoustic, our song for this, you know, like the secret songs. Yeah. You know, you feel like you know her so well or like a, like a tolerated or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then, or Champagne Problems, that was a highlight. Yes. But then 
she'll do other songs and you just it's like a wash of, look what you made me do yeah but it's like so impersonal i feel like we don't know anything about taylor swift it's like we know everything and nothing and nothing yeah and th- because there's no like behind the scenes or like we don't get to she see. doesn't let us in she doesn't let us in in that way and then that was really interesting when we get to the midnight set listening to lavender haze mm-hmm. which like i know she said was about joe alwyn and then took it down mm. that video um and she says she was inspired by Mad Men. i think that's bullshit Mad Men? yeah they quote like lavender like they say something about lavender haze if you're in love but also uh, like lavender haze isn't that like something you smoke or maybe i don't know it sounds like it I, I don't know don't look at me i'm just saying what it sounds like but lavender is a very like there's like in the gay community like oh, lavender. oh i forgot about that yes but also she's addressing something that people especially with this travis kelsey thing it just goes over the hetler's heads it's like how I don't know. I, like they, she talks about she doesn't want to be someone's bride. She doesn't want to do the 1950s shit. Yeah. And then it's funny and because, well, no, I don't know if she's. I don't. I think to her and Travis Kelsey are a PR relationship. Mm. There is no way they're not. Yeah. It's. It's so odd. Odd. Did you see the meme that was like he looks like Forrest Gump and she looks like um Jenny Jenny Jenny. But it's just, it's so weird how certain people really want to project that onto her, but she's like letting us in with certain songs, letting us out. Mm -hmm. It's so weird, but we don't know anything about her. And I think that's where the Gaylor lore comes up because everything feels so personal and impersonal. And it's this weird divide. I don't know if that makes sense. No, you're right. We don't know like that much about her. Like it's, we're left to read into things. But then I think like, Swifties read into the wrong things. Yeah. It's like, like the Travis Kelsey of it all. Yeah. Or it's like they really like push certain narratives, which is is really fascinating. Yeah. Well, hold on, because I'm thinking about a narrative, but I just want to fact check myself before I say something dumb. Did you find it, Gordon? Yeah, it was just me mishearing things. It, 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 just, let's just forget about it and move on. Wait, what was it? No, just forget wait, about wait, it. Wait, wait, what? No, we'll just forget Why? about it. Let's just forget about it. Why? No, let's just no forget fun. about it. <laughs> what? I'll tell you, but I might cut it out. Yeah, just cut it out. Yeah. Okay, so I totally misheard, and I was shook. I clutched my pearls because I thought Taylor said, um, what is the song she sings where she's like dressing for revenge? Better, is it better than revenge? No. A vigilante shit? It vigil- oh, yeah, the vigilante shit song. Uh-huh. Um. I thought she said, I don't fuck with women and I don't fuck with men. But like literally, <laughs> like literally, like I was like, oh, snap. And I thought that was like kind of like a reference to being gay, but like choosing not to be with anyone. I don't know. I read into it and I think I misheard it because I was like, oh, she said the F word. I'm like, this is so bold. I mean, Chair she dancing has said the this. F word, but yeah, but like in that context, I don't know. I took it as a totally different context. <laughs> like, I mean, songs are up for interpretation yeah i thought she was go i thought she was doing the ali and aj thing you know when they re-released uh potential breakup oh yeah anyway Uh, no i mean what was i gonna say i feel like i'm way too harsh i feel like swifties are gonna come after me (laughs) 
They're going to get you and you sleep. But I feel like some Swifties must agree. I don't know. I think it's really weird. Like when people ask, like, I think there's an interview where they're like, what is your advice if you want to become a singer? And she's like, get a good lawyer. Like everything is kind of a business move to her. It is. The way she wears that blazer too. She's a businesswoman. For real. But it does seem like, and at the end with Mastermind, which I love that song, it it does seem like. This is her fine. Like after the heiress tour, is she going to retire? Do you think maybe because of her experience of like getting so much shit back in the day about like her relationship, whatever she's doing, like her personal life, like people just speaking on it and you know, maybe she just doesn't want to give that up. Like maybe she is like a lawyer. She's like, Ooh, don't want to say anything to incriminate myself. Maybe. I mean, it's so interesting too. like anytime she's faced with criticism, like about, you know, taking her private jet and using all those like emissions and yeah stuff. Like she went to that Jets game. And now when you Google Taylor Swift jet, her and like Travis Kelsey come up. Uh-huh. So is she just playing with search the engine. Google search? <laughs> SEO. It kind of seems like it. And I don't know. I think Smart. she does definitely bury the Diana Agron stuff. Um, because that used to be really prevalent it's back in the find. day. Yeah. And there were whole articles that came out around that time. And, and then it was like Harry Styles. So it does feel like she's very calculated. I'm not saying she's gay. I definitely <laughs> I definitely think we just don't you're know. You're not saying she's, saying she's not. I, truly. Yeah. Because everything seems like she seems like in her lyrics for some songs especially like folklore evermore you know her you know b-sides like yeah the archer something's very personal and she wants to express it right but then there's other things where it just seems so like what's the word it just it do you know what i mean like something seems like if she just scratches the surface but doesn't really get deep well it's like she's deflecting it deflecting yeah that's the word yeah, it, it's a very interesting thing. So I think ending with Mastermind is a very... It, if in a couple years, we find out that like all of this, like all these songs that really relate, like I feel like we're going to end up being like kind of played by Taylor Swift because yeah. she's inviting a parasocial relationship in such a way that I'm like, I feel like all these Swifties, including me, that really resonate with her lyrics... At a certain point, I just hope we don't get burned, mm. basically. And how so? Like, what do you mean? What do you think would come out? Like, I don't know. Like, maybe it's all made, made up, up or. I mean, she did say she was working on some characters. <laughs> it's true. She, like, Evermore and stuff. Uh, folklore. Or folklore. Sorry. I get them confused. They're like, they're, they're sister albums, basically. But they are. But Evermore is so more personal. personal. It? Okay. It's, I don't, I also don't. I don't know how much we can believe anything Taylor Swift says. You're like, I don't believe any of this. I don't know. It's just an interesting layer of skepticism. And I know on our last like episode speaking about Speak Now, Taylor's version, mm. people were like, you just don't like understand her Easter egg she's been planting the whole time, which like I truly get. Mm-hmm. But I still stand by, I don't believe in 2010, 2009, she was like, creating a marvel cinematic universe in the way she is now now yeah 
because there's a, a tide that turned when tree pain became her her person so mm. when she got in charge of pr that's when things the seo started to change i'm just saying swifties and i we need to have a discourse <laughs> yeah but open it up because she is a mastermind she's admitted that now so right i still love her and i'll still stand forever but but you think she's up to something <laughs> i think she's up to something or i just feel like yeah we've just scratched the surface with taylor swift i think she contains a lot of multitudes so much more so many secrets and i think people that really want her to be into like the 1950s shit and so like her and travis kelsey are like meant to be really need to grow the fuck up <laughs> Because they're really stuck in this, like, really heteronormative uh, narrative. Yeah. And that kind of bothers me, but whatever. <laughs> I love how, like, you, like, are much more of a gay, I think, even than me. Yeah, why? Why is know. this? I think it's funny, though. But. I don't know. I think it's so it much more interesting. Yeah, I will say I do feel like it's boring. And I don't really, like, Travis Kelsey, I don't really believe it. I don't know. It's hard to believe. It's just too easy like it just seems too man-made it really does <laughs> i don't know it's weird and also it's like i don't know i would have loved a different narrative for taylor swift with the whole carly Kloss situation like i feel like maybe if they weren't in a relationship mm. i don't know i think it would be more interesting and maybe i'm projecting but like for taylor swift to kind of like it did, it did seem like during that time she was like at least secretly in love with her best friend mm. or like had some feelings. And yeah. that's interesting. But then to wash it away, I feel like people like, I don't know if it's her PR or people or her, maybe I'm reading, like wash everything nuanced it's like, about her away. No, it's like scrubbed from the internet. Yeah. To recreate this other narrative. Travis Kelsey is, all the other history shall be erased now. I know her and Harry Styles and Travis Kelsey, and that's all. That's it. Yeah. Sorry. I don't know. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Anyway, like- no, it's okay. I'm just not sure where to go from here. I guess the eras tour. What oh. was your favorite era? My favorite. Well, in the the tour, I will say probably folklore, folklore evermore. Like I loved when she was like with the witches and like for dancing in circles and i love the orange dress she was wearing i love that she had a cloak on like i love that they like look like they were doing like some spells in the middle of the woods um i love the cabin that she was in and i loved how it was like kind of cottage core so that's probably my favorite part and i loved when she did the chair dancing <laughs> um yeah i agree no folklore evermore that was the coolest part to see two albums where i think even she mentions it like you wouldn't think would translate to like a big stadium tour but somehow it does it's just so cool it does yeah and it was really cool the way they use the set and stuff and i I was confused though why there wasn't any more songs from speak now like in that set yeah was it enchanted yep just enchanted which i mean she looked pretty i like the dress but like i didn't i thought there'd be more i i know like long live was cut out there were a couple more songs that were cut out but yeah, I enjoyed yeah folklore and evermore, and I loved reputation. Yes, I actually enjoyed like her Roberto Cavalli, the one-legged jumpsuit. I thought she rocked that with the snakes. Like it's you know very on the nose, but kind of cool. Like really fun. It really instills. It doesn't translate as well as just seeing her move through the set with it. It's very cool. And as far as costume goes. 
I loved that, but I also loved the Versace like lover era. Yeah. Just like bodysuit. Yeah. Like leotard situation. No, I loved like the majority of her leotards. I liked the first one. I liked that like the Versace like multicolored dress. I liked that a lot. The folklore like white dress was really cool too. Yeah. Just the way that moves. Yeah. I'm trying to think what else. Okay, I found out little girls from the bathroom, like little six-year-old, really love Bad Blood's a classic. Bad Blood's a classic. And their favorite song was Paper Rings, which I'm like, I know this film experience is not where I'm going to relate. Not that I can relate to six-year-olds anyways. Yeah. But this is no Hannah Montana concert experience. We're not all unified. We're not unified. Best of both worlds. No. I don't even remember what else Hannah Montana sang, to be honest. Me neither, but... <laughs> but when that song came on, we all rose up out of our yes. seats. Or- Whenever she sang anything, we were just like living. Yeah. I feel like our crowd was only living for certain Taylor Swift moments. Yeah. Shake it off. Just shake it off. <laughs> In um, bad blood, which I'm like... All right. I I like that she included the um the 10-minute version of All Too Well. That was cool same i mean naturally how could you how not could you not yeah um yeah i even loved midnight the midnight set the midnight era yeah midnight's is cool it was cool i loved um what was the song uh she did i, oh, know I she loved anti-hero oh anti-hero yeah that was cool yeah I the giant burton ernie outfit yes <laughs> oh yeah. yeah i mean i do feel like like, it was, like, three hours, but it, it wasn't too... Like, it didn't feel too bad, like, too lengthy. I didn't realize how many albums she was going to be covering. Like, she... I don't know. There's a part of me that wishes it was a little longer, just because I'm like, oh, we only scratched the surface. Like, she was a little selective, which one she focused on, I felt. For sure. I will say, I really... Yeah, I would have loved to see more of, like, a behind the scenes. I would have gotten... I would have loved to get... Like, gotten to know Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that part is a little lacking because you're like, oh, she's still just, she's up there. She's untouchable. Like, when she does that thing where she, like, points to the crowd and yes. the side and they're like, woo. And then she's, she's like, like, I feel like a mastermind. <laughs> yeah. What? Just cool. Okay. And I know Miss Americana, the documentary, mm-hmm. we get an inside look to Taylor. That's true. But I want to see her now because now we know Midnight's is a breakup album. And yes. I feel like, yeah, she's changed in four years. and Right. We need to see more of Taylor. I want to see her Let now. I want to know if she's going to really pivot after all the Eras tours and be a director. And Oh, yeah. Because in one article I was reading, someone was like, yeah, she's like the next Steven Spielberg, which I'm like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> it's high praise. But like, I wonder, I wonder if she is going to retire because when she sings Mastermind, it just came to me in like an epiphany. What if this is like her stopping point oh because she's doing the eras tour and she's playing with public persona so much i'm like is this a stopping maybe also if she's a mastermind that would be a great thing to be like as a director you have to kind of be a mastermind and kind of plan things out and make them happen create these worlds create the worlds yeah like sofia coppola exactly (laughs) (laughs) nice transition (laughs) yeah do you want to just get into Marie Antoinette. Yeah. This week we did watch Marie Antoinette, which, how does this rank on your Sofia Coppola favorites list? Oh my goodness. Um, 
I haven't. So I just full disclosure have not seen all of Sofia Coppola's. Like I haven't seen The Beguiled and I haven't seen Somewhere either. Um, but I, from what I have seen, Lost in Translation's got to be first for me. I just I have a love for that movie. But I also like visually and stylistically, I love the story. Like I just feel so connected to that film, and I think she just does such a good job with it. I just that's got to be for me number one. Um, I really enjoy Marie Antoinette, so it's like I don't know. It's a tie between that and Virgin Suicides, and then The Bling Ring, which I still enjoy. But The Bling Ring's probably at the bottom for me. Yeah, it's not. I don't know if it's just because it's not as stylized. I don't know what it is, but like. I feel like 10 years on, The Bling Ring deserves a revisit. Yeah. I, I mean, I still think it's a good movie. I just, something about, something about Marie Antoinette too, like how she plays with like, like it's kind of like a period piece, but it's, it's like kind of modern and kind of like its own, it's very whimsical. Yeah. I definitely think it has the greatest soundtrack of all time. Yeah. The soundtrack. What about you? How would you rank? Lost in Translation is my favorite. Sophie Coppola. It's just, I watched it again the other day. It's just, it hits every time. I think it's a perfect movie. I think it does exemplify like Sofia Coppola's vision and it's her directing like style, everything. It just encapsulates it so well. Mm. Um, also her use of soundtrack. It's amazing there. I like my favorite scene in Lost in Translation is when they do karaoke. Yes. And it's just like the little things Bill Murray does and Scarlett Johansson. It's just like little things with a look, a little like it, she creates a a vibe. She does. Too, like. That's what she does. She creates a vibe. It sounds superficial to say, but it's so much. It's like, but it's like all the little things. I think even with Marie Antoinette, it's like the little things that mean the most. Like the converse that snuck in there. The converse. Well, Yeah. That like Roman Coppola. Yeah, technically that was Roman, but she kept it in. Yeah, that was a choice. Yeah, but um, like when I'm, I'm kind of thinking more, I guess, in set design for sure. Like in the Virgin Suicides, how it's always like a mess. Like Mm. the vanities, you know, like the little details or the fixation the Virgin Suicides with when Kirsten Dunst his Lux like likes a guy she writes his name on her underwear and okay yeah he's very fixated on that like specific things to specific characters Mm -hmm. yeah like the obsession with keys and locks yeah for king louis yeah Yeah. or even in a way like um marie antoinette instead of having jewelry just wears like a ribbon around her neck Hmm. which is like a very modern take on that time period but also kind of signifies that marie antoinette was only 14 yeah like she was very very young Hmm. and just it's like one of those little just details. Gotcha. Yeah, the details. It's she, like the little things end up being big things. And I think it in Lost in Translation, Scarlett Johansson's character, it's all about the little things that her husband, played by Giovanni Ribisi, mm-hmm. just completely ignores. And I, it, it's, a, it's just cool. Yeah. How she can convey that without saying a word. I love that. I love how she can convey things without saying a word. That's one of my favorite things. Like, if you can, like... If something can come across for the viewers to understand without the need for dialogue, I think that's really cool. I don't know. Like in this movie, I love the scenes like in the beginning where she just gets like where Marie Antoinette gets to Versailles and there's just a line of people and it's just dead quiet. 
and they're judging her and you can just feel it like you feel like mm-hmm. you're in the scene like she knows where to put music in and where to take it out and yeah i don't know she knows how to make a film she knows how to make a film and she should i mean you would think that like someone like francis ford coppola was her father or something I know, that's crazy wild um but yeah this is her third feature film mm. some people say this is a trilogy her like girlhood trilogy how well the virgin suicides lost in translation and marie antoinette have very specific themes around them mm. that pertain to girlhood pertain to girls staring out car windows actually yeah there is always like a car window scene and either you're just staring or your hand might do one of these <laughs> um but yeah it's all about like their identity and their place in this world yeah especially marie antoinette especially like that's on a bigger level for sure yeah um speaking of the trilogy though she says when i finished this movie i definitely looked at that there's a connection between the themes of my films i feel like this is sort of the final chapter of something i was working on it's the next step of girls evolution from lost in translation where she's on the verge of trying to find her identity. I feel like the story is her going from a girl into a woman. So for me, that's a connection. Is this a trilogy of sorts? Huh. Is this a trilogy of sorts? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, there are parallels for sure. Like, all these girls have some type of boredom that they're dealing with. They're isolated. They're staring at windows. Yeah, they've got the ennui. I forgot about the ennui. Uh, Yeah. It's, it's just i think it's an interesting observation for sure um it's definitely like no one understands them even like the lisbon sisters no yeah. one they don't feel like people get them and i wonder if that's like sophia also like from her own life like feeling kind of isolated because just being growing up on a film set of sorts you know what i mean like i don't, I don't exactly know what it was like all the time but i know she spent a lot of time on set with her dad yeah she grew up on film sets yeah and then so. she ended up being in the godfather yeah. favorite movie <laughs> Which that's so interesting because she got shit for that performance. But now people can't say anything because she's a successful director. I know. Well, she found her calling for sure. She did. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's not like a trilogy in the sense that like speaking of The Godfather, it's not it's not like that. But there are definitely parallels, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's kind of hard to be like it's a trilogy because there are all different stories, but they have a lot of the same themes. For sure. I feel like she's. Like she said in her quote, she's kind of exploring these themes. And she, was, she always does. She was also writing uh, Marie Antoinette at the same time she was writing Lost in Translation. Like taking breaks. Like when she was like uninspired or at a block with one, she'd start working on the other one. Yeah, Marie Antoinette is based on a book. And she had writer's block. So in, during that time, she did Lost in Translation. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta have something else going on to keep you busy, I guess. For sure. But also so relatable, like having like a creative block. True. <laughs> Did you know this was booed at the Cannes Film Festival? Am I saying it right? Cannes? Is it Cannes? I mean, we as Americans Cons. say can. But yep, it was booed. They did get to film a Versailles though. So I'm sure like that probably evens out as far as like public reception from the French. Like, yes, it was booed, but also they're like, they got to film at Versailles. Yeah. It's like, oh, what do you want? You know, yeah. how much accuracy do you need to like, so what Kirsten does? She didn't have a, like a French accent. Maybe it's better that she didn't. Or like, you know, maybe it'd be an Austrian accent, but still like, maybe it's better. She just 
Well, this is not a period piece in the traditional sense, which is very cool, but not very like of the context of 2006. I don't think we... We weren't ready. We Yeah, we weren't ready or we weren't like exposed to that because there are very like modern elements like the soundtrack and costuming to a certain degree and like the casting. Yeah. It's so modern. And I think maybe people thought it was a period piece. I know it didn't get like the best reviews. Like it was very positive to mixed. I don't really like period films that much. Same. So, but this one, I'm, I'm like, yes. I don't like period pieces typically. And I feel like this was the, like the one that broke me. Like it was like, oh, I can finally relate. Yeah, for sure. Also, it laid a lot of groundwork, like for like other films to kind of do something similar like great gatsby like they kind of use modern music and it's not completely accurate. i don't know if that's based on a real person though maybe not that one there's another one i feel like boz lerman does a very similar maybe elvis elvis is a real person yes <laughs> no i feel like boz lerman is kind of working with the same toolkit that sofia coppola is they are kind of running parallel though i, I don't know if boz is like directly influenced by Coppola. Yeah. But yes. You're saying, okay, just like the way he uses music and things. Like not a traditional like. Yeah. Like the way he did Moulin Rouge was kind of out there. Like, So he's going on his path. And I feel like Sofia Coppola is going on her like more auteur, like indie, I guess, path. Yeah. Like I would more like say like Wes Anderson and Sofia Coppola are a little more similar. Even though Wes Anderson doesn't do like period stuff like Coppola does. But maybe if you combine like a Wes Anderson and Bob Lerman. Sophia Coppola's in the middle. So yeah. Yeah. This movie did make me think of Wes Anderson a bit because there's a lot of scenes that are like symmetrical where like Marie Antoinette's in the middle or like the color palette a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, the lighter pastel-y color. It's giving a little Moonrise Kingdom. It is. Yeah. Our Grand Budapest Hotel would be a better example. Yeah. But that's because Milena Canarino, she did the costume design for Marie Antoinette and the Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, shoot. Which for both of those, she won um, best costume design at the Oscars. Well deserved. She also did Barry Lyndon for Stanley Kubrick, but. She's established. Yeah. No, I love the costumes in this movie. Same. I think I think they're so cool and do a really good job of telling the story. I love the like palette, like the candy coated palette. And I, I guess Sophia had like a box of macaroons and was like, I want them to look like this, like macarons. It definitely looks like one of those like lottery, like assorted boxes of macarons. I like it. I like how it's so like, it feels fresh and like bright and kind of poppy and like kind of happy. They're kind of happy colors when you think about it. Like this world that's created, even like the set, like kind of complements the dresses and everything. And it's, it's like you want to be there. Yes. You want to eat some of that cake and just, I don't know. I've never wanted to dress up in like a create one of those crazy dresses so much in my life. Like, I know. Poofy. It like doesn't act, like seem stuffy. Yes. Like it definitely takes the youthfulness of Marie Antoinette and plays that up like with like the ruffles and. Yeah, and I heard they like took like they dialed it back as far as mm-hmm. that stuff, like the ruffles and like obviously there are some dresses that are still pretty big, but it's not as probably heavy and 
ornate, which I think is fine. I think that really adds something to it. It's like an interesting spin as well. It's not historically accurate, but it is in, in a, it's, it is enough. It's enough. Yeah. It's accurate enough to take you to another place and another time so you can imagine. But it's also like dreamy enough like that you can get lost, I think, in the in the story. And then like it is kind of a fun story. Like as much as it's I mean, Marie Antoinette goes through things and like, you know, eventually she gets beheaded, even though it's not shown. It's like yeah. I feel like this movie's a bit of an escape mm-hmm. to a degree, you know? Until things get real. Like, I feel like... Well, she definitely goes through four phases of Marie Antoinette. Yeah. Where, like, it's like the early years where she comes from Austria to Versailles. Mm. And in a lot of those scenes, it's, like, very played up, very colorful and, like, youthful. And also, what do you think about the scenes where they're undressing her? Like, that... Oh, just that scene in general where... Or, or well, there's a couple there scenes. There are a couple. Like the one... Well, the first one is like, I think when she has to cross over and go to France and she's, I don't know, has to leave everything behind literally, like her clothes and her family and all that. But like just in general, like getting up in the morning and having people dress you and undress you, like that whole thing, that I think is crazy. I think she's right. That is ridiculous. Like I love that she says this is ridiculous. Yeah, but I love how visually that like shows without saying a word, which Sofia Coppola does so well, just how vulnerable she is. Yeah. Like, she's literally naked and people are putting all these dresses and all the French stuff on her. Yeah, because she can't lift a finger. She's yeah. a- But also it's like symbolic, you know? Like how much is in her control? Yes. And like the public getting to like view her because basically... Right away, they're like, you need to have a baby. Have a dauphin. Yeah. France and Jason Schwartzman, Louis. He's so awkward. I love him, though. Yeah, I love him. I love the cribs. Yes. Special feature. I know. I wish that his, like, I wish that the uh, the way he was, like, speaking in that special feature, I wish that that was the character in the movie. Like, I really would have loved to see that. Just being like, yo. <laughs> This is my crib. I yeah, I would have loved to Sofia Coppola to be like, yeah, let's break the wall a bit more and have it like, um, is it Louis the sixteenth, fifteenth? I think it's the fifteenth. But make him like a Jamie Kennedy in Malibu's Most Wanted. <laughs> really, just blur those lines. I think that would be cool. Take a really modern take on the film. Like they could have really pushed it. <laughs> I know uh, Coppola's being so like delicate and like nuanced and i think she should have really gone gone full like jamie kennedy i think so (laughs) um but yeah no they're trying to you know be like you have to have a kid or you're not this isn't real yet for marie Antoinette. yeah you haven't solidified your place in the Mm -hmm. in french society i guess like the people aren't gonna respect you and maybe there is i don't know i mean was there a real chance that they could take away her title yeah i think so but yeah, that people are viewing her while that happens pretty much. She like, gets like all the blame too, even though a lot of it is Louis. <laughs> True. But I feel like they're actually like literally viewing her. Mm. Like, you know, when they're in bed. Yeah. That part's creepy. That's so weird. They're like animals in a zoo, basically. Yeah. It's really weird. I also love Steve uh, Coogan as her like right hand man. 
I feel like his role in this is very underrated, but I yeah. love that performance. No, he's cool. I like him. She needs like a right hand man, like someone to keep her straight. You know? Yes. And Rip Torn is the king. Love it. But speaking back to the costume design, I want to know your thoughts on it because just looking at the different phases of Marie Antoinette's like journey, like the early years and then the party years mm-hmm. to the mother years and like the morning time. Mm. like morning not the morning but yeah the morning like the darker colors i liked how they used color to convey that a bit or i mean i liked the costumes too when she stripped down a bit more in her it's like a cottage core (laughs) vibe where she's like i don't know if it's on the palace or she leaves the palace it's in this nebulous like grassy field and she has garden it's like a garden yeah she has um like chickens and stuff I liked that. I, I like seeing her go through the phases. I think it makes sense. I think it helps time pass, even though I do get confused because it feels like she doesn't age. <laughs> she still looks kind of the same. Well, but. she's going from like, what, 14 to maybe 20 something. So yeah, still very, very young. Um, I think speaking of like the motherhood times, did you clock the like pastel grunge 15 years beforehand with her like pink hair and a flower crown dude i love the pink hair look like that's one of my favorites actually but yes you're right that is very yeah. pastel <laughs> like melana canarino's like just that's so raven ability to see through the future yeah like even now right now have you noticed all like the i don't know what we're calling it but all like the little ribbons and Really stuff. Yes. Everyone now, every brand has a little bit of like that Sandy Liang like ribbon to it or like a little girlish flair. Oh. So yeah, like that's like a thing right now, which I feel like is very Marie Antoinette coded. That is. What are some some scenes that really stood out to you? I would say I, the I want candy scene. Like it's iconic. Yeah. You can't not think of that with this movie. I don't know. It's. It's a fun little montage, you know? She's picking out her shoes. The Chuck Taylors, that's a cool... I don't know. I think it's cool that they decided to keep that in the film. It's great. I think it's genius. I do, too. Like, some people, like... It's, it's like you either love it or hate it. I think, But I think it's genius. Like, it's more about a vibe, really. Oh, yeah. And it's about, like, playing with the different time periods. And it's just... It's a gateway, too. Like, we were talking about before. Like, I don't like period pieces, typically yeah but this is a way in and i feel like the converse is like a cheeky way into this world where you're like in it because of all these signifiers that you know in you in 2006 or you in 2022 can kind of relate to as well yeah it breaks down the barriers it does no it breaks down the barriers it's just very cool yeah (laughs) i love it um also something can just be cool yeah can't things just be cool they can. I think so. But I love that whole scene. I love like the, all the like fruit and like desserts, like even just those scenes, like where it cuts between that and her like doing a little dance with the shoes. And I didn't know they were Manolo Blahnik. Yes. That is also really awesome. Yes. Carrie Bradshaw who? <laughs> I know. I love the I Want Candy, like the usage of that song too. I love the bow wow wow, you know? Yes on the soundtrack but also as soon as rose Byrne enters the chat Mm -hmm. like you know as soon as the opera scene comes on she's about to be lit like it's about to be lit yes i love she adds so much to this i love rose Byrne. 
I also love like the like the D- Jamie Dornan character and like the Tom Hardy little cameo before he was on and popping. Oh, I just love like seeing them. That is cool. I know. I love the cameos. Molly Shannon. Yeah. Which did you know that she had her doctor like induce labor so that she could film this? Really? Yeah. No, I have I, I have a quote. Um, But she, okay, she was pregnant with her son and her agent called and the agent said, Sophia Coppola wants you to be in some movies, but it's in Paris. So we said you're not available. So Molly Shannon said, what? You did what? And then she told her OBGYN, hey, there's this movie I'm dying to do, but I have to be in Paris. And she said, when do you need to be there? I'll induce you and we'll make this happen. That's awesome. Yeah. But I guess Sophia didn't know till after the fact. And she's like, I can't believe, I still can't believe you did that. Like, That's really cool. I don't know. I mean, I would too, though. I mean, if you have the opportunity to do it. I just, and I also love Molly Shannon. I love a good Molly Shannon appearance. Yeah. Like this and serendipity. Just love seeing her. Same. I love in that I... Like, I want candy scene. So it's like her indulgence and in, in all the decadent stuff is like her coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Like, she's just spending and spending and spending. That's to, so relatable too. to cope. Yeah. Like, who doesn't? It's like retail therapy. Like, yes. Yeah. You can relate for real. Um, but yeah, I love her party years the best. I love when her and just Rose Burns' character are living it up. I love when they go to the masked ball. Yes. And it's giving like the Vogue Paris the uh, 90th anniversary ball meets eyes wide shut. Just like the mask. I love the use of Hong Kong Garden by Susie and the Banshees too. Yes. I mean, I even liked a lot of the scenes that were just quiet and just portrayed the moment. Like um, the one scene where she's like in the boat with the girls. Like they're just kind of like like the leisurely scenes, I guess, where nothing's really happening. Mm-hmm. Or the carriage ride where she's just looking out the window. And I love when they go to see the sunrise and they're just like laying there. And it's yeah. Yeah. It's like these moments of like, it's a juxtaposition of like those party decadent, like opulent moments. And then the very quiet moments that I think really make this film unique. Yeah. I also love like the use of. Like a Susie and the Banshee song or Bow Wow Wow. It, because it reminds me of like I like an Adam Ant. Right. Like the 80s that had the influence of the 1800s. Which was, she was like, that's so smart too. Like Sophia Coppola is so smart. Oh yeah. And it's like so in like Gen X fashion to be really inspired by Adam Ant. But it's really cool. I like that. I agree. Like you can say what you want about Sophia Coppola, but she has good taste. No, she does. I feel like this movie is also about Marie Antoinette's taste, but also Sophie Coppola's taste. Like this movie in the past 15 years has really defined a lot of things. Like we we're talking about fashion or like use of a soundtrack. And just it's one of one of those movies that I think is really informed a lot. And I agree. I love the scene where she's like running down the hallway and the strokes are playing. Yeah. Whatever happened from Room on Fire. Yeah. Like it just... I don't know. It just does something to you. Same. But it's like perfect. It's the perfect song choice. Like, do you have any thoughts on the soundtrack? Because it is very unique. It even is. Stealth. Yeah. And I, I love the, like how she selected it, like kind of and making it like a mixtape. Um, and I love that it's it is kind of personal to her because she said she like grew up 
listening to like Adam Ant and stuff. And there is that connection, but I just, I think it's genius. I think it'd be really boring if it was going to be just all like classical music. Like there is some classical like in Mm -hmm. there, but it's like, I think, I just think it's genius. Well, in that IGN article, Coppola also said, I always like to start with the atmosphere and the tone and the look kind of first, and then the music and the story as much as I can without dialogue. I like trying to tell the story as much as you can with the expressions and the emotion. I even thought about doing it as a silent film at one point, which could you imagine? A silent film? That Dude, that'd be crazy. Like, well, I mean, maybe if the music was strong enough, possibly. I think the music is strong enough. I also think this movie doesn't have like as much dialogue as the typical movie anyways. So no, it almost comes across as a music video for Marie Antoinette. But see, I love that. Like, Same. I don't know. I feel like more films should be like that. But I don't know. I feel like I'm in the minority with that feeling. Yeah, I mean... I feel like when I talk to you, but I don't know. I want everything to be a music video. I'm like yeah. a sucker for that type of filmmaking anyways. I think that's why I love Sofia Coppola or like Spike Jones so much. Because they directed music videos first. And yes. that sensibility... I think it's really cool, but I, you know, I think some people want to be spoon fed. I think it's like to back to the Swifties argument. I think some people just want to hear like shake it off in the man. <laughs> yeah. And they don't, they want to be like Marvel, marveled. Yeah. And then, um, they don't want to really get into the, the deeper cuts. Yeah. No, I think like some, yeah, like some people want to explore this were like you just it's two different people yeah I'm trying to think i also like just the way the story is told and that it's not exactly what you expect because i feel like towards the end you feel like maybe you will witness the beheading but they don't get into that like i just like how it focuses on like her yeah like it focuses on her are you trying to say like it focuses on her inner world with showing like little bits of the outside that's what i'm yeah yeah that's what i'm trying to say yeah because like yeah we do get some bits of like what's happening but not really like we don't really get into like all the politics of it like it's very you know brushed aside and it seems like these characters are, are also brushing it aside like even louis like oh i don't know what should i do oh you think i should do this okay let's do that like I don't know. You can very much tell that, like, it's just, like, really crazy that the weight of the world is, like, in their hands, like. Yes, and they're so young young. and so disconnected. Yeah. Because they're really just, like, stuck in the the palace. Like, they're just stuck in Versailles. And I think it's also interesting how literally outside of the doors, there's, like, an uproar. And it just madness yeah and they're still like oh we'll just carry on with dinner is normal like we're not leaving the palace and then there are moments where marie antoinette to uh stephen coogan's character are like she's like can you just debrief me and he's like you're not really listening but she's like just give me what i can comprehend essentially yeah essentially i also think it's crazy when marie antoinette comes out and everyone's out there basically with their pitchforks and she just like lays her head on the like 
the balcony. Yeah. I'm that part confused me though. Cause I feel like she's trying to say something or be like, I'm like, I don't know if it's supposed to be like, and I'm sorry. Like I'm here for you. Like I'm listening now. It seems like they rile themselves back up as soon as she like lifts her head up though. They're like, ah, like it's like a brief moment of pause for the mobster or the mobbers. But yeah, then they're like riled up again. Uh, do, do you have any thoughts on the let them eat cake? Because I love that scene where it's just like her in the bathtub being like, let them eat cake. And then she's with her girls and she's like, I never said that. I love that. I mean, I think also this movie, when I saw it the first time around, it totally like blew my mind that like when I found out that that never happened, like she never said, let them eat cake. And I love that this movie exposes that because I feel like we all think that like that's what you know about marie antoinette she was beheaded Mm -hmm. she wore giant wigs and she said let them eat cake yes you know so it's wild i like that they just i don't know addressed it and i i do like that part of the like that aspect of this film too how they touch on her getting like really bad pr because they talk about other like um things that went like they said something about like thomas jefferson like having an affair with him or something like there's like so many crazy like tabloid situations that this girl had to deal with which is crazy to think of like at that time in like the 1800s or yeah well and it's even crazier to think that like the propaganda machine like especially with like the let them eat cake thing lasted until the 21st century you know it's it's been so long yeah yet that machine that bad PR of Marie Antoinette still is like the stories we tell today. It still kind of holds weight, which is so interesting and how the media or the public can create narratives. It's really wild. I think too, like, cause we've talked about this like several times, but like in the two thousands, like, I don't know how a lot of like female celebrities would get really bad PR Mm -hmm. and things would be taken out of context and misconstrued. Like it's similar to that. So it's also interesting. Like, I just wonder if that also like at the time, like if Sophia Coppola is thinking about that or like influenced that, you know what I mean? Like, oh, this is an important thing to say. Like, yes, it was probably in the book as well, but just to focus on it, like that, let that be addressed and. Because I, I feel like there's probably, I don't I haven't seen them because I don't watch period piece movies, but I'm sure there's other ones out there that are probably but, like, let them yeah. eat cake or something. Yeah. What was I? Oh, I was going to just say, I think that's an interesting thought about the 2000s, like It Girl. Yeah. And how we really love to see like the downfall mm-hmm. of the It Girl. We love to see them rise and we love to watch them come crashing down. And Marie Antoinette. We did the same thing to her. Just all those. She was the original. Years ago. Yeah. She was like the OG it girl. Yeah. Just spending all the money. <laughs> yes. Oh. I feel like this movie is like underrated. Like I'm really surprised by the like even now, like the tomato meter. Mm-hmm. It's just very mid. Like it even the audience score is kind of mid. And I'm like, oh. But I've seen a lot of like red tomatoes on like a lot of people do love this movie, but I'm like, why why don't more people love this movie? See, like, and I know, you know, at the time, and I it got booed a can, but I've always really liked this movie and resonated with this movie, but I've also seen the influence it's made. And every, maybe it's just like my corner of the internet, but I've ne- people love this movie so much. Yeah. From being a Tumblr girl to like now, it's, 
iconic. It's one of the best fashion films of the last 20 years. And I think this movie is only going to get better with age. And it also like doesn't look like it came out in 2006. No, when I saw that, I was like, wait a minute, 2006? I thought it was like 2013 or something, but no. Like, cause it just feels, I don't know. Timeless. It feels timeless, yeah. I think this is one of the Sofia Coppola films that's going to have like the biggest impact. I think it's going to stand a little, like stand out and last a little longer. I think so. Just because it changes the game as far as like a period piece. And you could argue that this trilogy, this girlhood trilogy or whatever you want to call it, they're all period pieces because they are. They kind of are, yeah. Yeah, you know, The Virgin Suicides is 1970s Detroit. Mm-hmm. Lost in Translation is, I guess, 2000s. Yeah, that one definitely feels more 2000s. It's but. it's in the, I guess now you could call it a period piece. Then yeah. you couldn't. It's modern. It's still modern, so I don't know if that counts. Yeah. But then this is definitely. It's just they had fax machines. Yeah, that was maybe. In the hotels. Yeah, that was the only thing. But like now it's a period piece because of that fax machine i think so but they're all like so stylized and i love that yeah i don't know all of her films are perfect yeah i say 10 out of 10 i don't know i really enjoy this movie uh, 10 out of 10 lottery macarons 10 out of 10 giant powdered wigs 10 out of 10 pugs that she has to give away Mops, no yes that was sad that broke my heart a little that she had she couldn't even take the dog with her I know. 10 out of 10, Louis the 15th version of Cribs. Yes, I loved that. Um, which I have a, like, just a couple extra fun facts that I yeah. wanted to share. For Marie Antoinette, um, Robert Smith wrote to his label so that the Cure songs could be used on the soundtrack for reduced royalties and everyone took less money than they should because they wanted to be in the film. So I just think that is really cool. It's iconic behavior. Yeah. Also... Sofia Coppola has the best music taste. Right? What I've learned just from researching this film is that everyone, if Sophia's directing, they want to be a part of it. Molly Shannon, The Cure. Also, Jason Schwartzman, mm-hmm. he um, made some sacrifices. He had to put on some weight, I guess, which honestly, I couldn't even really I tell. tell. I didn't, I'm like, what? Um but anyway, how he did it was at 3 a.m. He set an alarm and ate a box of donuts and went back to bed. <laughs> I just think that's really funny that he did that for this film. I don't know. It's rad. Yeah. So anyway, but it worked. Supposedly. Yeah. So yeah, the people, the things people will do for Sofia Coppola. Of course. And I think this is her second film with Kirsten Dunst. And yes. they've had this like partnership and friendship that's That's right i'm surprised we didn't talk about that at the top but yeah kirsten dunce also kirsten dunce in like because we just watched for our episode of podcast like it's um double features for the patreon his patreon we talked about elizabeth town yes which also stars kirsten dunce um 2005 to 2006 kiki dunce is like epitome to me i love seeing her in those like late 2000s beanies mm, and i'm it. just really into that yeah no i love i love kiki dunce yeah i love her when she's in romantic comedies i love seeing her in serious things like i love anything she's in yeah i love her relationship with sophia coppola i think sophia is able to bring out 
like just something in in these actors yes it's like there's depth like not that i don't know she just there's some magic that happens i don't know how else to explain it but when they get together some magic happens it's also cool seeing the behind the scenes of the masked ball because you know sometimes on set you're the director you they choose not to play the actual song and you can hear hong kong garden in the background just to like give him an actual feel i feel like feeling yeah in her films there's ways she implements to like ground her actors yeah that sets the tone i love how she's like yelling things from the side too she's like hey this is why like this is the reason behind this like to help people get into character or something like oh hey like you know, can you relate to anyone here? Like, you just arrived, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, just helping build that world and just being right in it. Like, you can tell she's very hands-on. I love seeing her behind the scenes and just, like, wearing random things, like a skeleton hoodie. Like, the best. <laughs> I don't know. It's iconic behavior. For real. Oh. Um, I love it. Ooh, also, before we bid adieu, you know, this movie was met with mixed reviews. Right. However, our man Roger Ebert liked this film. Yes. And um, he says, this is Sofia Coppola's third film centering on loneliness of being female and surrounded by a world that knows how to use you, but not how to value and understand you. I feel like Ebert mm-hmm. understands this, this like Sofia Coppola. Like, I just think he gets it. He gets it. Yeah. I'm glad. I was, I was like worried you know that maybe he wouldn't but i was like you know it's ebert he was one of the few that got it i think you yeah yeah good (laughs) his word means everything yeah well thanks for listening rate and review us on spotify apple see you next week bye bye a huda media production
A Huda Media Production.